Hey, Freedom Junkies! An American national who goes by Leanne is about to teach us and introduce us to common law, maritime law, corporate, which is unincorporated versus incorporated, straw man, the United States incorporated. And so a little disclaimer here. I have researched some of the things Leanne mentions in this interview, but I have not researched all of it. In fact, some of the things she teaches in this interview are brand new to me, and all of it is pretty far out. I have not verified all of this information. Hopefully, this incredibly insightful interview will get your juices flowing and you'll need to research this stuff for yourself. And what a great springboard you're about to step onto. I usually forget to remind you to like, subscribe, and share the Freedom Junkie episodes that you love. So please, if you are enjoying my work, like, subscribe, and share. And you can always keep in better touch by signing up for my infrequent newsletter at freedomjunkieradio.com. And one more thing, since I'm posting this on YouTube... Those of you who subscribe to Freedom Junkie Radio on YouTube, you need to be aware that the last three or four interviews I did, I did not post on YouTube because I'm assuming they would censor the information and kick me off. So if you want to keep up with all of the Freedom Junkie Radio interviews, you need to go over to Rumble, the competition, and where they don't censor uh, information. And you can also listen to it, the podcast, anywhere that you listen to a podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Captivate, anywhere. So just keep that in mind. Welcome back, Freedom Junkies, to more Freedom Junkie Radio. We're going to be talking about some really interesting, not very well-known things. This is a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about today is really new to me. It's come to me in waves, and we're going to be talking about the fraud that's been uh, one of the many frauds that has been perpetrated on the American public. You know, if you've ever heard that the United States is a corporation and not really a country anymore, there's a lot, it go, the rabbit hole goes deep. And today, my guest is an American national. She is going to be teaching us about a lot of these things that most Americans don't know about anonymously, uh, just because of the, the sensitive nature of, of this topic. So my guest today, we're going to call Leanne. And let's just get started without any further ado. Leanne, welcome to Freedom Junkie Radio. Thank you, Miss Betsy. I really appreciate your uh, willingness to have this conversation. Not many people are willing to know about it because it's so far um, and above foreign to most individuals that they think that I'm, you know, I'm I'm smoking something or I don't know what I'm talking about. So they choose to um, uh, to not recognize this is actual and factual. Uh, in fact, the, the information that I'm talking about, if you go on Google, 
which is highly uh, censored, and try to find some of this information, a lot of this information, you will see the, the information that they want you to see. You have to know where to go uh, and what information is good. Just like anybody has ever told you, it's not the information that you hear, it's who you hear it from. And that's what's important. You're going to listen to, uh, for example, a, a doctor who is a um, uh, the, the best in his field before you listen to Joe Schmo down the street um, because of his education, you trust the information, blah, blah. So um, I want to thank you all for taking a few minutes of your time to listen to the podcast. And I, I appreciate your willingness to learn. And I hope we can, you know, figure this out together. Um, and further ado, let's just go ahead and get started. So, okay. so yeah, you just, you just go and I will jump in if I have a question, but you have a lot to teach. So just start from the beginning. Okay, so we're going to go from the very beginning, and I'm going to try to step you through some concepts so that you have a better idea as we go down the line what I'm talking about. So most people don't realize that the word law is an acronym. It actually stands for the three different jurisdictions that are on this earth. Um, the uh, law of the land is national in nature and it belongs to the people. Law of the sea is international in nature and it actually is owned by the British crown. And then law of the air is global in nature and is owned by the Vatican. So you've got LAW, uh, land, air, and sea is the acronym for law and those are the three different jurisdictions. Now, there are really two different types of entities that are managed within those jurisdictions. Managed is maybe the wrong word, um, uh, that oversee the entities within a jurisdiction. So for example, a corporate entity is also a living man or woman. They are unincorporated and can own tangible things like gold and silver, property, cars, and a boat. They can also create incorporated entities. And incorporated entities obviously is incorporated and they can own intangible things like stocks and bonds and other incorporated entities. A corporate entity which is a living person, living man or woman, can create an unlimited number of incorporated entities, LLCs, um, uh, companies, incorporated corporations. But an incorporated entity cannot create a corporate entity because a fictitious entity cannot create a living being, right? So these incorporated entities are free to establish relationships with other incorporated entities and spin off municipal franchises. So the corporate entity state of Texas can create the 247 counties uh, of the state of Texas, which is a parent and child relationship. And an, the incorporated entity can create additional incorporated entities. 
and they spin off not only county town and township and cities but also um uh administrative courts district of attorney that office is incorporated um all of these functions within a government is incorporated and they are all for money for profit entities the unincorporated entity is really the source of all the power in the system because we can own any of them they cannot own us without a change in jurisdiction does that make sense yes no you know this the, the incorporated unincorporated corporations corporal these the it gets confusing so to a beginner this is one of those things that i think is um it it is confusing so maybe we can come back to this because I want you to get to some stuff. Let's just lay this as a foundation. You know, I'm a, a, a linguist and, an, uh, and I love etymology. And I'm thinking, I, I speak French and I'm thinking of the, the word loi in French and, and a lot of French and old English and old French um, intertwine. I would love to look into the etymology of the word law because... I, I'm thinking that this uh, an acronym or uh, and that we've given it acronym. Yeah, an acronym is possibly we've we've given it to it the word law. I, I I'm going to look into that. I I want to dig into that and see for myself. Um, so when you say land, air, and sea, you really mean land, air, and water for law, right? Land, okay. air, and water, mm -hmm. right? And then, you know, I think oh, yeah. it's interesting too, just to say something that you were talking about, you know, when they say uh, a person is a, so a man and a, a man or a woman is not a person, right? Or am I getting that uh, wrong? Well, a person, a legal person and a lawful person are two different things. Okay. So a legal... I hear when people are talking about these things, they talk about being a man or a woman. And I guess as opposed to a corporation or a dead entity, right? A living man or woman. And you know, all this crazy stuff with uh, the gender bending stuff that's going on right now and trying to change whether you're a man or a woman, or maybe we're neither, that kind of thing. I wonder how much of that has to do with confusing us about this, because this is very clear in the, we're talking about common law. And if people don't know what that is, I know you've heard of it, but common law is based on natural law, which is God's law. If you don't believe in God, it's nature's law. It's the law of the land. And so it's, it boils down to one thing, do no harm. And the reason that that stands as truth is because it always has been that way. Back in caveman days, if you stole a person from my tribe, we can go get back at you. It, it, if you do something bad to me or mine, I have the right to retaliate. It's like self-defense. It makes sense. Well, you, you have the right to remedy. Okay. So in common law, if you hurt a man, woman, child, or property, and you know it's your fault, 
you have to offer remedy in recompense for the damage that you did. And once remedy is paid, then there is no more, um, you know, okay. it's all over. It's done. Got it. You, you, you do your time. You, yeah, you, you, you figure out what works for the people that you harmed. It makes perfect sense. The rest of this stuff. So when we use the words legal in law, I think this is really cool. I've been learning about this, that legal has to do with all the paper all the rigmarole stuff that are rules and regulations and stuff that that people have written down and said this is how it is it's not something can be legal and not be lawful it is legal for the government to send boys over to kill people in foreign countries but that goes against the laws of nature and common law with that doesn't Unless we're, you know, that that might be a confusing example. Okay, give a better um, something that's legal but not lawful. So it is um, legal for me to drive down the street without a driver's license. Sorry, lawful for me to drive down the street with drive without a driver's license because you're not harming anyone, right? And the su Supreme Court. Um, uh, said that no American has to have a driver's license and the right to travel uh, in a private private conveyance is a God-given right. Everybody's right uh, to travel unimpeded um, uh, by law enforcement, especially if they've not done any harm. And it, when they stop you for speeding, there's no law against speeding. It's a site or a um, statute that the local government, the incorporated government has put together. And the reason that they can stop you is because they've converted you to the jurisdiction of the sea or admiralty law and you're within their jurisdiction. If they recognized you as a living man and part of the law of the land, then they couldn't stop you or even talk to you. Okay, so are, are we going to get into all of the birth certificates? Yes. Yes. So, so um, hold that thought and let me keep going. Good. Okay, so we talked about corporate entity versus incorporate entity. And if you think about a corporate entity or a living man and woman belong to the land. And an incorporated entity, which is a fictitious uh, con construct, belongs to the sea or admiralty law. All of our government, all of our administrative courts, everybody else is um, under admiralty law. In fact, if you go to any kind of courthouse and you see a flag, you're going to see the fringe around the flag, and that is... Um, the clue that you are standing in a maritime admiralty law court. And that's the golden fringe. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So in order for the powers to be, to uh, the powers that be to have power and control over living men and women that are unincorporated, they must trick you into enfran uh, enfranchisement. By converting you to an incorporated entity, this process moves your jurisdiction from the law of the land to the law of the sea or admiralty law, making you subject to their statutes and sites. 
And that means that the law of the land no longer applies to you. So they're it, moving you from the law of the living to the law of the dead, basically, or the law of their jurisdiction, which is which is incorporated. And how did that they do? How did they move me without my permission? There, there was a couple of different ways. So back, they first started back in the 1860s over in England. They began um, uh, back then. The only people that could vote were men that owned property. If you didn't own property, you didn't have a clue. So the poor suckers that are working in the factories, um, living in the tenements, they don't have any say in any of the laws that the country is creating for them. So in the 1860s, they um, offered the men without property the right to vote. So those guys thinking that they would actually have um, more say in their government clamored to be part of the process and signed that voter registration card to register to vote. Well, the English government seized their the copyright of their names, which allowed them to um, uh, seize their, all of their rights, their labor, and all of the value that they owned. And it was monetized for the benefit of the government, making these guys voluntary indentured servants. Well, any kind of um, disclosure, they had no idea. And then uh, the powers that be came over in the United States, and this was back when Andrew Jackson was president, before the Civil War, and they approached the Americans with the same process of enslaving the American people. And um, the Americans said, not no, but hell no, go, go back to your thing, go away. So the powers that be found another solution. They proceeded to bankrupt the government services company, which was called at the time the United States Trading Company. So when our republic was first stood up, it was an unincorporated uh, republic. They, as an unincorporated entity, they could create an incorporated entity and they created the United States Trading Company. The United States Trading Company was a service company that did services for Americans, like provide delivery services. The post office was part of that. And then protecting our borders, those were the two major um, pieces of what that service company did. But when the powers that be um, couldn't get the president and other uh, governmental officials to go along with their, um, uh, their idea of taking the copyright right of the common man to steal all their property, they actually bankrupted um, the United States Trading Company, which was our governmental services company, in its illegal commercial mercenary war, which is the Civil War. That's really why the Civil War came to be, because the, power of, um, the powers that be over in England wanted to come over here and enslave the common man. Our officials wouldn't let them, so they came up with this scheme to bankrupt the services company that was speaking for Americans and then they were put into um, bankruptcy. Okay, so two things pop into my head. One is, if you are a freedom junkie, you've been hearing that everything that we think we know is incorrect. 
that we've been it's taught a garbage, it's a lie, and that history is a lie. And so which parts of it do we take and which parts do we throw out? We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But here's an example of how history has been twisted. Because what we're learning today is that the reason for the Civil War was because England was done with the United States and 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 wanted what um they wanted to cause us to fall into chaos so that we would look to them so that because they wanted to enslave us the way they had enslaved their people they wanted to well and they wanted to do it undercover okay the best way to do it undercover and the process that they used over in England was to um, offer voting rights to those men that didn't have any property. Right. And they stole the copyright of those people and used that to enslave them, indentured servitude, basically. Got it. And Andrew Jackson said, no, we're not doing that over here. And they said, but we control you because they were, you said that they bankrupted the United States Trading Company. Was that because they owned it? They had the ability? No, no they actually, the United States trading company was responsible for protecting our borders so when they came in and and um, they hired mercenaries to make war on the united states the um uh, trading company uh bought all this this stuff you know cannonballs and paid for ships and what kind of stuff until they were bankrupt they ran out of money because the expenses for the war were too high so then what happened is, and, and whoever assigned these people uh, for bankruptcy trustees, but the bankruptcy trustees responsible for uh, restructuring the incorporated trading company um, actually did the Americans a huge disservice. Uh, um, they, were, they were bad guys. And they came in and restructured our federal government into the British style system to enslave the American people. Okay, so, so they not were only anyway, that was my other thing I wanted to say is that they had wanted to create a, a indentured servants, like you said, a slave class over here. Andrew Jackson said no, but as we're going to learn, and a lot of you already know, it's already happened. We've already been enslaved. So continue. So this was way back when, um, before birth certificates were very prevalent in the world. I mean, they started counting or keeping a census of birth certificates back in the 1600s, but they really didn't become prevalent until um, World War I in about 1941, and I'll get into that in a minute. So this voter registration to steal the copyright was their end to... Um, enslave the individuals as opposed to just owning the land or creating taxes or it wasn't about the individual man that's what they got down to when they stole that copyright and had those indentured servants when uh, they signed the voter registration card and not only did they own that individual they owned their business they owned the property they owned they owned everything okay so and the individual didn't have any idea. Okay, that, that's my question then. So, because we're going to be talking about this, how, so if we're slaves, if they were slaves, and you don't know it, how, how, do, how does that work? How, how, 
if you think you're free going around, explain how, how you're a slave. So keep that thought in mind. Um, it wasn't near as obvious way back then because they didn't have all of the uh, insidious things that they have today. All of that has been gained over time. Well, some some evil despot, I can't remember which one because there's been so many, but somebody is quoted as saying the best type of slavery is slavery where the uh, where the people have no idea they're even it's slavery. Exactly. Exactly. I would, I would argue that our income tax and that all of the taxation we go through, it's not just double taxation. It's taxed when we get it. It's taxed when we spend it. It's taxed when all the different ways that. And, and that's how, you know, you're a slave. Right. And even the inflation, you know, people have been saying lately, why should I pay income tax when they can just print money? Right. Well, we're going to get into that. If you become an American national or there's other ways there's a, you don't even have to become an American national. There's ways of opting out of the income tax and, and maybe we'll be, and we'll, get, and we'll get to that in a minute. Right. But, but so, yeah, it is, it's like slavery without knowing it. They're taking, that's right. the definition of slavery is taking someone's earned earnings. They, they with, and they don't get it. If you've earned it and you just like, that's a slave. The slave is out there working. It's and more than that. So they were able to enslave their their bodies, their children. If just like you're a slave today, you're you're considered an incorporate or incorporated decedent, um, a vessel on the water, in the in the water jurisdiction or an admiralty jurisdiction. If somebody has a complaint against you, whether it's real or fictitious, somebody can make something up if 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 they get mad at you and complain about your children or your children are owned by CPS. So they can come in for any reason and take your children. Okay. Because you don't own them. People are gonna hear that and go, CPS doesn't own my children. Um it's not CPS, it's the 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 government, government of which, the corporation of the United States of America is who owns our children. Um, I think they're actually associated with uh, a county entity uh, for the foundation of public charitable the public charitable trust. So there's a public charitable trust in each county that is managed by the state attorney general, I think. And um, the public trust was actually part, uh, was created in 1882 to make it easier for the, the powers that be to steal your assets, reclassifying them as donations. It was originally set up as a welfare relief for indigent Negroes uh, displaced by the Civil War. But when you turn 21, if you do nothing to free yourself, the powers that be presume that you are incompetent and should remain a ward of the state and beneficiary of the public charitable trust. They seize your name and all your assets and reclassify them as donations to the trust. Three new incorporated entities were created when you turned 21. Actually, it was two others. The first one was created when your birth certificate was generated. So when your mother goes to the hospital, has you the baby, they say, here, you need a birth certificate, sign this card. Well, when you sign it, you sign it as an informant. 
not a mother, not a parent, an informant. And as the informant, you are giving away your child to the war of the state, but still retain responsibility for care and feeding of that child. Your birth certificate was created, uh, and then it's traded on the New York Stock Exchange as a bond. And we'll get, a, we'll get through that in a minute. The second incorporated entity was um, your first name, your middle initial, and your last name. The first one was, for example, John Michael Doe. That was created with your birth certificate, and it's associated with your birth bond. The second one was created um, when you turned 21, and that is John, middle initial, M, Doe. This is the name of a, they label it as a volunteer employee, and the employee is also a slave to the government. That's in Black's Dictionary, Black's Law Dictionary, and a public transmitting utility franchise so that you would still be in the uh, incorporated uh, jurisdiction, which means that you're part of the law of the sea, and you're bankrupt in Puerto Rico. This is how they can make you pay taxes is because they actually have you identified in the IRS database as an indigent from Puerto Rico. All of us and then are indigents from Puerto Rico? This is so That's crazy. how they have, the, they have you labeled in the IRS database. This is insane. Like, I've never heard that before. Oh, yeah. And then John Doe is the third um, incorporated entity that was created. And his name has been labeled as a pauper dependent on the public charitable trust kept. Uh, and this the trust is kept as the attorney general's charitable trust in each of the 3,142 counties. So in, in the United States. So each county has a charitable trust associated with it. And then the state attorney general, I believe, is the one who manages that. And there are two kinds of citizens of the United States. One is the federal civil service employees. Those are the people that actually work for the government. And the second, uh, and their dependents, and the second are considered Negroes or wards of the state and beneficiaries of the pub public charitable trust. So you're either one or the other. Either way, they consider you one, a pauper, two, an indigent, and three, an imbecile, and cannot uh, um, uh, uh, present yourself effectively in any kind of court of law. That's why you have to go through an attorney. You know, this is so interesting. I think that, you know, part of the reason that this is thick and difficult to get through, and the first time you hear it, it, a lot of it is uh, language that you've never heard before. And so this is what uh, for, that's come to my understanding is what legalese is. Uh, I, m I, my dad was a, a corporate defense attorney growing up and I, and he, I heard him talk about legalese and I just thought it was the way lawyers talked, but it's, so, it's really, it's a language and, and it's, it's legalese. Legalese is the language of the um, bar attorneys. The bar stands for British Accredited Registry, and it was created specifically to confuse the public. They've made it so complex that most laymen, those people that don't have law degrees, are unable to argue effectively in their administrative courts. 
attorneys have purposely created the la a language that sounds the same in English, but has a very different meaning. For example, if a judge asks you if you understand him, and if you've ever been in any kind of administrative courts, the first thing they do is they talk about, okay, these are your charges. Do you understand? Well, if it were me, I would say, I comprehend you, but I do not uh, acknowledge your authority over me as I am a living being standing in honor on the land. When he says, un, uh, do you understand me? That basically says that he is over you from an authority perspective. So when, if you acknowledge, yes, I understand, you as an English speaking person think he's asking you if you comprehend him. And he in legalese is actually telling you, um, I am over you in authority. Do you agree? That I stand under The answer you. is, no, I don't. Right. Okay. Yes. yes. So this is, you the can say, I overstand you, but I don't understand you. Yeah. And there's a lot of examples of that. That's one example. There's hundreds or thousands. Oh yes. There are many, many, many. We've been, we've, so that, not just lied to, we've been confused on purpose. Exactly. To make it so much more difficult to understand um, what's really going on. So let's get back to it. So we talked about the they use the voting registration card to enslave the masses and only men, right? So women didn't have the right to vote and they didn't actually um, uh, sign a voter registration card. And but in World War II, they decided that they were going to implement a new process. And back then, if people wanted to work in the government-sponsored factories, they had to have a birth certificate to do it. That's when they created the insidious process of birth certificates today. Every hospital, every doctor that was present in the course of, of a birth, uh, the process was put in place that they had to develop a birth certificate and register it with the county or whoever the powers that be were. Now they have since implemented a process to where you sign the card as an informant an informant is uh, by a Black Laws Dictionary says it's one person that gives something else away to another person. So um, that's not what informant means in Webster's Dictionary, right? So when you give your child away, they actually print that birth certificate on really heavy paper, bond paper, and on the back of it, or no, it's actually on the front, the upper left hand. It depends. It, it's different with different states, but it has a red number that starts with a letter A or S or something. You can actually, that's called um, a CSIP number. And you can look up that number on um, the Fidelity uh, website. It's, it's actually a bond website. And you can see how much your birth bond is actually worth. Now, there is a wonderful website to go to, oh, expertinalllegalmatters.com. And in the center of their webpage, you can scroll up, but they have videos um, all down the center of their page. And one of the page, and one of those videos, I can't remember what's the second or third one, has a, a picture of a baby. 
and it's and they've done a beautiful job with drawing the pictures. Have you ever seen those videos where they're explaining something and they draw some graphics? Yes. Really fast, and then they, you know, and they're they're explaining as they're drawing all these pictures. That's the style that they use for this particular education video. It's okay. a phenomenal video, and everybody should go take a look at it to get a really good idea of how the birth certificate process works. Okay. Expert in all legal matters.com. I will put yep. anything that's pertinent like that in the show notes. So if you're driving, okay. you can look it up. Um, is that where people go to, where do you go to look up your own birth bond? So um, the video actually talks about what the website is and how it gives you instructions on how to do it. Okay. So back to this. So they put this process in place post or about the time that World War II started because everybody had to have a birth certificate in order to work for the factories. So that's how they put the process in place and made everybody have one. Um, they as assume your mother knowingly and voluntarily gave you up as a ward of the state. When the birth certificate is issued, the Department of Commerce seizes your given name and creates a person. Okay, so uh, which is, is not a living man or woman. That's what I was thinking earlier. Go ahead. In in all in all caps, it's definitely not a living man or woman. There may be a difference if it's in upper or lower case. I can't remember right off the top of my head, but I know in all caps it's definitely not a living man or woman. And a person is not born but birthed. Mm -hmm. They even went about changing the um uh the things that uh happen when you actually give birth so you know all your adult life you're thinking that um uh your vagina is what your your you menstruate through right but when you have a baby it's suddenly called a birth canal the canal well, it's yeah it's the canal a waterway to change the jurisdiction from land to sea yeah um when you uh with the birth of this person uh you are declared civilly dead and your name and estate are deemed granted to the british crown you are now labeled as chattel property or the cargo of a vessel in commerce the baby is now enfranchised and subject to commerce or admiralty law this process is established to enfranchise Americans at birth instead of waiting for them to be old enough to sign a voter registration card. It wasn't fast enough for them um, to have to wait 21 years for you to be able to sign a voter registration. They wanted to get you at birth. Now, there's another story that's in the middle of that. So in the 1860s, that's when they came up with this voter registration card, right? About 1910 or 1911, they decided they weren't making enough money, so they wanted to uh, enfranchise the women. That's when the suffragette movement came through. Um, it wasn't necessarily those three or five women that were so famous for starting the suffragette movement. They might have put them the idea in their head, and they might have also included um, some... Uh, People that, people that were being paid to encourage them and tell them what to say and, and so that they would do those things and follow along. 
So it was a psyop. Uh, women's yeah. voting was a psyop. I mean, there's a lot exactly. of and 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 there's always unwitting participants in a psyop. Absolutely. And okay. to follow that particular psyop in the 1960s during the when women were still staying at home with their children. They came up with the women's movement, burn your bra, um, go to work, work for yourself, equal rights for women. That was a CIA psyop. And, you know, there's people who would argue that uh, having equal rights and equal pay and all that for women, women having a vote. I mean, there's there's nothing bad about that. I mean, except for the where it came from, which was the fact that they needed women in the workplace because they needed to tax more human beings. Right. With women in the workplace, they actually make a whole lot more tax money. They also um, start breaking down uh, the family structure. Family. Right. And and, it, and that it, was their long game. Yeah. There's and not really anything necessary. There's not anything wrong with any one of these things. Right. Women should have the right to vote. Women should be equally paid. But the um, the downside of some of that, if if I was a woman in the workplace and I was not married, didn't have any children, then there's nothing wrong with any of this stuff. But if I enter the workplace after I was married and had two or three kids that are now in daycare, right? Um, uh, they're being raised by somebody else. Now the influence of those people are influencing my children. Um, a lot of the kids, especially the ones that are not being homeschooled today, can hardly read their their. Um, they can hardly read their own name. They don't have any attention span. They don't have um, uh, any uh, decision making skills. Um, any any concept of looking at logical thought to come to a decision they're they're absolutely clueless and the conversation that i just had an hour ago i was talking to a friend of mine that i've known for close to 50 years and she used to teach at the school and she went away for eight years she kind of had her own business she's a musician she taught uh flute and had a um uh, a very successful music school and she said I went back to volunteer just eight years later, and the difference in the children is dramatic. Um, these kids will not be able to uh, stand on their own, uh, work at a professional job. Most of them won't be able to go to college because they can't write in complete sentences and they can't hold their, you know, nobody can hold their attention more than two or three minutes and it's just so sad of what's happening in, in our American um, schools, but that's a whole nother problem. Yeah. Right, we, so we, we talked about, about the women, how the women's uh, voting movement had been to uh, enfranchise the other half of the people. Yes, exactly. And then they put the birth certificate process in place so that they could get you at birth instead of waiting until you turn 21 and sign a voting card. And anytime you see your name in all caps, whether it's on your birth certificate or your social security card or your driver's license, that is referring to what's what's called your straw man, right? That's they, that 
entity that was created at your birth, the, the, was it, you said John Michael Doe or the JM Doe or whatever your yes. name is, it's not you. That's not you. It, it's, it's labeled as a, um, a decedent, which means a dead entity, a decedent, a dead entity, which mm -hmm. is also called your straw man. And yes. there, your straw man is what's worth whatever. If you look up your birth bond, it tells you how much it's worth now. And that's been traded on the New York stock exchange. Yes. And, and it gets even more awful. So your birth certificate is actually bond. It's, it's printed on bond paper and traded in the New York stock exchange. Again, the red number on your birth bond can be used to find out what your bond is worth. Infants are worth about $650,000 and a man of 40 years old can be as high as 5 billion. Uh, your work, your labor, and even your body has been pledged to the powers that be, which can borrow assets against your value using your land, your home, your business as collateral. This was made possible when your mother gave you up as a ward of the state at, your, at birth through trickery. The banks and government claim any assets you own are abandoned and seize them under false pretenses for their benefit. So um, we were just talking about a decedent and a straw man. So the definition of a U.S. citizen once incorporated or enfranchised is a decedent or dead person, which are persons assumed willing to decline their birthright estate. The IRS refers to the person filing a tax return as a decedent. The practice began when midwives, this sounds really odd, I ran across this, I'd heard it before, um, but I, I couldn't articulate it. So the practice began when midwives and the clergy in the Middle Ages didn't understand the purpose of the afterbirth, the placenta. It appeared to be a hideously malformed baby or a monster that had a pulse to begin with, but soon died in their ignorance. In their ignorance, they assumed it was an evil twin and they named it after the child and buried it. This is the genesis for the straw man and the practices associated with creating and justifying the existence of an infant decedent and probating its estate. So the afterbirth dies, they stamp your name on it and bury it, and that then becomes your straw man. Okay, lit regardless of whether that's even accurate, you you have a straw um, man. Right. Yes, I've seen that that actually in in several places that they many people believe that was the genesis for the straw man. Okay, um, unless you specifically ask for the afterbirth back, hospitals seize upon a placenta as property and they retain it. They also claim DNA found in the placenta as abandoned property, which gives them rights to claim you right down to your hair and face. Hospitals are not your friend either. No, home birth. There's home birth. The best day of your life. I'll tell you what. Go ahead. So, so we're going to go and talk about taxation history in a minute. Um, the U.S. federal government was originally set up to operate in international jurisdictions and provide specific um, 
federal services. We, again, we talked about that, that trading company that um, uh, was put in place to provide postal services and armed forces to defend our borders. Federal services taxes were collected for the government by each state via sin taxes. So these are the original taxes that the government uh, was allowed to collect. A sin tax is um, a tax on tobacco or alcohol. And then there were excise taxes, which were on gasoline, oil purchases, telephone services, natural gas utilities, that kind of stuff. And they, uh, the states collected it and then paid it to the government. This was before income tax came out. They later extended taxes to corporations to further line their pockets. But then the U.S. government can also collect voluntary taxes from federal employees as a privilege tax. If you were a federal employee, you were the only in, um, uh, entity in the United States that it was legal to tax. And it was called a privilege tax because you were paid in equitable exchange for the benefit of public employees, employment. So because you work for the government, you paid a tax to the government as a thank you. Thank you for, for providing me with employment. But it said it was voluntary. And yes, well, in, 19, in 1941, Territorial United States Congress set up a victory tax program by which patriotic Americans could volunteer to have an amount equal to taxes paid by federal employees in support of World War II. Unfortunately, the victory tax program had no end date other than end of hostilities. And Congress never repealed the legislation. Maybe Since then, there... Huh? Maybe that's why the hostilities have never ended. Exactly. Since um, uh, there's always been a war or a conflict that allows them to claim ongoing hostilities to justify the continuation to tax Americans. So since 1941, the Internal Revenue Service plundered the earnings and assets of millions of Americans and fooled them into thinking income taxes lawful and owed. According to the IRS code, the W-4 form is the only is only for non-resident aliens, foreign corporations, foreign trusts, foreign partnerships, foreign entities, and foreign tax-exempt organizations. You as a U.S. citizen are categorized in the IRS database as a public transmitting utility, and they converted that to you with your name that they created, John A. Doe. Um, domiciled in Puerto Rico and therefore required to pay taxes. When Americans sign a 1040 form voluntarily, they're signing under perjury, penalty of perjury, stating that they are withholding agents, other provisions. When they, when they sign this, other provisions kick in because they voluntarily say, um, I understand that this is under penalty of perjury and that I'm a withholding agent. Well, a withholding a holding agent is defined as a warrant officer in the Queen's Merchant Marine Service. You automatically become subject to territorial United States statutory law, IRS code, are presumed to have voluntarily given up your political status as an American with privileges, not rights, are required to file and keep filing taxes every year after, 
and it allows the territory of the United States to dispose of your assets as they see fit. Under the penalty of perjury, well, but that's a that's not true. So all of us committed perjury the first time we signed a tax form. Um, it the truth is as you know it, right? So you know when you're filling that form out that you think this is your income and these are the taxes that are withheld, and these are then this is the taxes owed under the penalty of perjury. I I agree to this. Well, that penalty of perjury has additional legal um, um, things that you don't understand. And one of those things is all the things that I just read to you. You automatically become subject to statutory law. You're defined as the withholding agent because you just signed the document as the withholding agent, even though you told them under penalty of perjury that you were a warrant officer in the Queens Merchant Marine Service. Which is <laughs> correct. It's all a game. It's all lies. There are so many lies and so many rabbit holes wrapped around all this stuff. You wouldn't believe it. So Congress tried to make income tax part of the Constitution via the 16th Amendment in 1909. But it was never ratified by the states, though in printings of the Constitution, they further uh, perpetrate their fraud by including it. In fact, it was only ratified by one state, out of, uh, and it needed two-thirds in order to be approved to be part of the Constitution, and they didn't even get that far. But when RAT created the income tax program, they left themselves an out or a process by which they can opt out of paying income tax. Because the tax code says income tax is voluntary, but you have to tell them in a certain way for them to even acknowledge that. And most people don't understand that. Um, so for example, if you go through the process and you notify the IRS that you are revoking your election to pay, and you notify them via registered letter um, to their um, Hartsfield, New York office and their Washington, D.C. office. Now you're ready to tell your employer that to quit taking taxes out. Well, the IRS has threatened all of the pay, a lot of the payroll. Um, you know, they, they get their way through fear, right? You've heard all the horror stories. If you don't pay your taxes, the IRS is going to come in and put lean on your bank account. They're going to uh, sell your house out from under you for back taxes, blah, blah, blah. You've heard the horror stories, right? Well, they also tell that to those people that are providing payroll services to smaller companies. ADP is a really good example. So if your company actually had um, uh, ADP as their payroll services company, and you presented them with a W-4 form that's actually marked um, exempt, accepted, non-resident alien, the IRS has, <coughs> has labeled nationals, that's their label for national is a non-resident alien. Um, the AP people can come back and say, well, our attorneys say that we can't accept this. You're going to have to pay those taxes because it's insidious. They have tried to 
make sure that people do not have a way to get out of it by telling this guy over here that that you're dependent on to pay you that you don't want to do that because the IRS is going to come and audit you. So what you do in that instance, basically you send the same paperwork to the closest IRS um, office in your state and then the IRS will eventually tell your employer to quit. But until then, if your employer won't accept it, you're stuck. I've seen that happen in a bunch of times. But to note, the IRS has U.S. nationals categorized as non-resident aliens. I said just said that. But more than 15 million Americans have opted out of paying taxes as of 2021. Okay. They can't go after. They do not have the personnel to go after 15 million people. Okay, so 15 million Americans have opted out of taxes, but there's not 15 million American nationals yet. That's two different things. Yes, it is. So when we talk about American nationals, y'all, and we'll get into this, Leanne is uh, an American national. I don't know how many are there. How many American nationals are there? That's a really good question. I don't know that I've ever heard a number. I know that there are thousands in each state. Okay, so this is- But you don't have to- you don't have to be a national to opt out of paying taxes. Okay, that's that's clear. Um, but the American national thing I want to get to because it's totally fascinating. It's a way of, um, in a way, it's denouncing your American citizenship to the corporation of the United States of America. However, you're still American. You're born here. You're American. You still have rights. You have your natural. I still, I, I have rights. You as an incorporated citizen do not. You have privileges. That's the big difference. And that just gets my goat because I am all about my nat my natural rights, my God given rights, my constitutional rights. I'm all about my rights, and I don't have any because I am a slave. So there's a couple. Of, there's one or two other things to note if you want to be part of common law as opposed to. Um, um, civil law. That's really the big difference. Civil law is part of the admiralty law. Common law is the law of the land. Um, common law does not provide for bankruptcy protection. So if you know you're going to go bankrupt, it might not be a smart idea to get converted to uh, a living man or woman because you want to have that bankruptcy protection. Also, common law is more strict on some um, uh, cases. So for example, in civil law, if you get in a car and you drive drunk and you end up hurting somebody or and even killing somebody, they can actually prosecute you for vehicular homicide or, or manslaughter, right? You can get in off. common law, huh? You can get off. In, yes, in common law, you kill somebody, especially when you knowingly do it because you got you knew when you were drunk when you got in that car. So that means that that's automatically a murder one in common law. Now, interestingly enough, there's um, there's no, their only common law court in the United States is called a Title Three court. You won't be able to find them in every state. They're very rare. And that's one of the things that the um, uh, administrative courts and the powers that be have done to try to take away 
uh, uh, rights and, and privileges from um, uh, nationals is they don't give them the court of law that they could then appeal to because there isn't one. You have to go find it. Now, um, there are people out there, and I know um, one of them, who are uh, encouraging the people to stand up uh, um, um, a in each in each county stand up uh, a lawful unincorporated county with a constitutional sheriff they can they can then have a title three court so that you can be tried for um, by jury of your peers. See, right now, there's not a lot of peers in the county that I live in because they're, you know, nationals are just not dropping around all over the place. So I would have to go to a state Title III court in order to be tried appropriately to have um, that particular fairness. Does that make sense? Fair trial. I got it. Okay. So um, let's talk about traffic codes and sites. When you learned to drive, you studied the manual and took the test for your license. You were being indoctrinated to use the language of commercial traffic code. Vehicle instead of car, driving instead of traveling, transportation um, is another one. Um, if you are you know, moving to a new apartment, uh, the the uh, law enforcement officer would call the stuff that you're moving in the back of your pickup truck transporting uh, goods, and they could give you a ticket for that. Um, law enforcement officers, also called LEOs, uh, and their associated administrative courts have no jurisdiction over living men and women traveling, not driving, uh, on a public roadway, in a private, con private conveyance, not, not a vehicle. They assume you do not understand that you are not within their jurisdiction standing in honor on the land. They pull people over all of the time for speeding or not using your signal or not coming to a complete stop. But their only jurisdiction is with commercial traffic. And those are incorporated entities. That would be a guy that has um, uh, a, a cable company on the side of his van. That's that's he's actually dealing in commerce. Somebody that's um, uh, uh, Amazon uh, or UPS truck. Those are all people at, uh, in commerce. But a private person that's just driving from here to there, you are not part of the commercial traffic and not within their jurisdiction. Well, they're they not supposed their... to stop us and give us tickets. They're not supposed to, and they do. Unless there's been an accident. Okay. Then you're on the hook. But if you're just wandering down the road and you're driving safely and you're not hurting anybody, they do not have the jurisdiction to pull you over. This As is... it sits today. You don't have to become a national to understand that. So they use their language to try to trick you into consenting to a contract to generate revenue. Revenue. It's a racketeering scam. Don't you know that one of the first times, one of the first things that, that comes out of their mouth um, uh, when they come up beside you is 
um, do you know why I stopped you? They're trying to get you to trick your trick you into admitting a crime and uh, signing the ticket, which is a contract. That's when they got you. Common law says if there's no injured party, there is no crime. So speeding is not a crime. Okay. Unless you hit somebody and injure them. So we're starting to hear about this stuff um, more and more. You can, so if you get pulled over, do you even have to stop? Um, interestingly enough, if they use their siren and their lights to try to pull you over, they are committing a type three felony. It's against the law for them to do it unless there's an emergency. And there's no way in hell that they could have done any kind of investigation to figure out that there's an emergency inside your vehicle and give them a reason to pull you over. So A, it's questionable whether you should even stop. B, if you do, there's certain things you can ask them. You can say, am I being detained? Have I committed a crime? No, that's not what you do. No? Okay, this is what... So, if, if you're stopped by a law enforcement officer, remember you are a living man and woman with unalienable rights granted to you by your creator and outside the jurisdiction of commercial law. Uh, unless there is an accident, common law says, if there is no injured party, there is no crime. So... It's prudent to start the conversation with any LEO if you can start by saying, this conversation is being recorded. Please acknowledge you understand that. So my husband and I have a little recorder. It actually does video and audio, costs about 150 bucks or something on Amazon. And we take that with us everywhere we go. And they're going to be, it's, it's harder for them to argue with you if you've got them on camera. Okay, so do you suggest not using your phone to just because you can do that too? You can do use your phone. We just have this camera, um, and it's, it's the same one, in, it's mounted in your car. No, it's not that kind of camera, it, it looks like a little pager. Um, it's a little bigger than a pager because it has the video camera, and it's exactly like the ones that the cops use. So he's going to recognize what that is. And what you want to do is you want to um, to tape him or to record him. Um, and uh, the first thing you do is say, this conversation is being recorded. Please acknowledge you understand this. The next thing you say is, I am not engaged in any act of transportation of persons, property, or cargo, nor am I operating in any for higher capacity. Please acknowledge you have been so informed. And you'll have this on tape. That is the premise for his jurisdiction. If if um, if he acknowledges that, then he's got no jurisdiction. And then when he starts talking about, can I see your identification? Can I see your um, <clears throat> your uh, car registration? Well, my car, I don't have a car registration. I registered. Um, uh, UCC uh, 9-109 says that a private conveyance does not require uh, registration. So <clears throat> I went through a, um, 
a website called nsea.us. And I have special plates that are labeled American National. They don't have a specific state on them. And it says UCC 9-109 Diplomat. And I never, ever have a problem. You just pretty much don't get pulled over. No. And can anyone get those plates or is that part of the being? Yes. Well, yes, you can get those plates. And there's two requirements. One of the requirements is that you have to send a letter to your local voter, your county voter registration or registrar, and you ask them to take you them off your voting rolls. Now, you remember when you sign a voter registration, it's one more way for them to steal your copyright and steal everything you have. Um, the other thing is that as a natural uh, or a national I don't vote in corporate elections because all the counties and all of the state and even nationwide is a corporate election. The president is really the CEO of our corporation, United States Incorporated. Okay, so you can't vote and you don't care. No. Right. Now, when they start having unincorporated elections in our republic, that's when I can vote and you as a U.S. citizen cannot. Okay. Because you are associated with the corporation. Okay. This is so important. This, this, you know, this information, the first time I heard it, it sounded like it felt like I woke up, like was dreaming. You know, I didn't know what on earth I was hearing and, and I couldn't really believe it. I think I had some cognitive dissonance around it. You just kind of la la la. And, and I'm going to go on about my life and pretend I didn't hear that. And it's too different to be and too confusing to try to absorb, especially right. on the first try. Right. So if this is your first time hearing this stuff, it sounds like we're talking like we're two aliens from another planet talking about it. If this is the second or third or fourth time you've come across this stuff, it comes to you in waves and it starts to just sink in and make a little bit of sense. And it doesn't make any sense, really, the fact that we're living in a corporation, that we aren't considered living human beings and that we're owned and that our property's owned, that we can't own anything. I mean, it's all, it's, it's like we've been living, we're all in the Truman show. You know, there's, well, it's, you're, you're stuck in the matrix, right? So yeah. um, one, so one indicator when you buy property and you actually, you know, spend years and years and you finally pay it off, the, the deed will say it's addressed to the tenant, not to the owner. Because you're still part of the corporation. Ugh. Guys, this is so important. And if if every American knew this stuff, well, first of all, every American's not. Like you were saying earlier, the people who are coming up through the government indoctrination centers at this point aren't going to even be able to follow what we're saying. So we're kind of doomed in a way as a country because that corporation is going to continue to thrive. You have to act now. You have to educate your friends and your family and your your acquaintances. I mean, worst case, put a bug in their ear 
Um, and maybe they'll come back and ask you about it later. But we all have to be aware of what kind of position we're in and what kind of power has been taken away from us. It's just like there was a Disney movie, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's about the ants and the grasshoppers. Yeah, and there's like only seven. The bug's life or yeah, something. Yeah, the bug's life or something. Yeah, the grasshoppers, there's only seven of them, and there are hundreds of ants. Well, the ants are all, you know, cowing down to the grasshoppers because they're so much bigger and aggressive. But then when they finally figured out they can work together to get rid of the people that are trying to take over us as human beings, then that's when we have our power. Okay, so what can we do? I want you to continue because this podcast can be as long as it needs to be. I may need to take a break and and come back and edit it out. But what can we do? Uh, and, and the reason I want all of this information to where, like you said, we need to share it with everyone we know. People can go to this. They can share this podcast. They can listen to it over and over again and let the information sink in. They can go. So what can we do as the ants? I mean, we, we do we all have to become nationals? How do we get our republic back? Well, without becoming a national, uh, you know, it's just educating, it's learning, it's being able to regurgitate just what I told you to anybody walking down the street. Um, go, there are websites that you can go to. If you go to nsea.us, um, remember I said, if anybody can join, you just have to provide a letter and a um uh, return receipt that you have uh, told the voter registrar to take them off your rolls. And then you have to sign a letter that set, says, and I think it's uh, there's a witness required, that says that you will participate in their grand jury should they ever have one. There has to be enough population who are in this particular pond for a grand jury to even be called. So I don't know how many Texas drivers that they actually have as American nationals. There's other things that you can do. I mean, it's one of the, um, I spoke to a large group of people last weekend and one of the things they asked me was, um, you know, how, what kind of paperwork do I have to do or, or what can I do for all of this? Well, there's not a one-stop shop. There's not a one size fits all, a one thing that you can do to make all of this go away. You have to look at it a piece at a time because a piece at a time is how it's been implemented. So the birth certificates were implemented separate than the voter registration that was implemented separate um, than your driver's license that was implemented separately, uh, that your social security number, which is called a labor bond, which is another number that you can go look up on the same Fidelity website that I told you about in allthingslegal.com. Um, you can use the same red number that's on your Social Security card to see what your labor bond is worth. Now, now I'll, show you, I'll, I'll tell you about something that's really insidious. We talked about um, uh, the, the taxes and about how everybody has been convinced that it's the right thing to pay being using fear and using um, uh, trickery, right? But we were talking about birth bonds and I don't know whether I got through. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, one of the things that you don't 
understand is how banks work from a mortgage or an auto loan. So you don't think too much about it when you go to the car dealership, right? And you pick out your car and you either have a trade-in or you don't and you say, and they give you a price tag and, and you, you agree on what that price tag is. And of course, there's taxes associated with it. There's a registration tax. There's a, um, there's all kinds of taxes I can't, tax title and license, right? But that car dealer fills out a form, sends it to treasury and they immediately get paid for your car and then they um it's not the car dealer it's the bank that you're dealing with that you sign the papers with the bank sends a notice to the treasury and immediately gets paid back for that car then the bank sends you a booklet it used to be a booklet that's a statement right a booklet that says okay you owe five hundred dollars for the first of every month to pay for your car so they get paid in, in, in its entirety when you buy the car using the funding that's available in your birth bond. And then that you get uh, they get paid by you every time, every month that you, you um, write that check for the car note. And then they make interest off it. And they do the same thing with mortgages. They have made a system where there's so much money available in those birth bonds that the car dealers and the mortgage companies access those birth bonds through a secret process, get total funding because those banks don't lend money. It's fake. It's fake money. Well, no, that's not that. They don't have any money to lend. They're getting money from your uh, birth bond. But that's not real and then money. They're and That's then just... they're collecting real money or, or money from you on a monthly basis. So they're double dipping. Well, and they've created this money out of nowhere. It's like they always well, do. That, that's another story. Okay, that's now all how about. Can, um, how, how can someone go about verifying what you just said? Where, where can they look and find that, that that's how the car industry and the mortgage industry work? Um. I honestly don't know the answer to that. I have found out about it through other documentation that I've read. But I can tell you that um, when I sign my name, it's actually an autograph. It's not a signature. And I always sign it by B-Y colon and my name and a copyright symbol. And if it's a final financial document on the bottom of it I'm going to put UCC 1-308 when I do that that means that they cannot steal the copyright from my signature and go into my birth bond and get that money I have a friend of mine that did that and they called him back and said we need for you to come in and re-sign all of your documentation this isn't right well that's my name that's my signature. I need for you to tell me in writing, how come that's not adequate for you? And they never got back to him. But anecdotally, I know that this is what's happened. I don't know of any place that you could go specifically to get information on that. Unless okay. you just happen to know somebody that, that works for the mortgage company. 
that okay. knows about Well, if any freedom junkies out there figure that one out, if you figure out a way to to verify that, um, comment uh, on the podcast. This will be on Rumble. Obviously, I won't be able to put it on YouTube, um, but it'll be on Rumble. You can put comments there. So one other thing uh, about just additional fraud. In 1992, a researcher was going through documents in a library in Bangor, Maine, when she discovered what looked like an original copy of the 13th Amendment of our Constitution. And instead of it being called, um, uh, I think it's the Slavery and uh, Emancipation, it's actually the titles of nobility was the original 13th Amendment to our Constitution. Most people don't have any idea what that means. It was actually passed in 1810 and ratified by all the states in 1819. The titles of nobility was the name of the amendment. And what that means is that any citizen of the United States, if they accept, claim, receive, or retain any title of nobility, honor, um, or any kickback, they are not, or profit, they are not entitled to hold office. That means that a bar attorney who's, uh, it, who is a member of the British accredited registry, they own their allegiance to the British crown. They are not eligible to hold public office. Half of the congressional, half of the people in Congress are lawyers. That's exactly right. And it's all fraudulent. It was removed of the Constitution by the United States Incorporated. Um, the fraud has been maintained each time the Constitution is printed. One example, uh, and I, we just talked about bar attorneys. Um, the researcher presented her findings to Congress, at which time she was instructed to destroy all documents associated with her discovery, and they found her dead less than 12 months later. Does anyone have those documents? Do we know? Oh, yeah, we have them. She did not destroy them. In fact, a friend of mine has all of the research and paperwork that she collected. Um, he actually was in a place and he was talking about it. And um, her son or a relative who actually had all that documentation, he said, here, you can have it. And now he's got it all the original documentation. And they actually found another copy of the same amendment over in England somewhere. I can't remember exactly the place. So there's more than one copy floating around the earth. So it, it, was, it, it was supposed to have been the 13th Amendment and then it they changed it before it became part of the Constitution. No, it was part of the Constitution, but think about it. Were you around when, they, when in... Um, in 1819 when the constitution was printed oh was that when the constitution was first printed and made available to people that was when this particular amendment oh, was ratified oh, no. yeah. so the first print that ever came out this amendment was part of it well how often is is are those documents going to be around after 200 after 150 years so they, you know, once they figured out this, then they go about using their minions to destroy all the printed copies that might have this on it. So they can say, okay, now the 13th Amendment really is anti-slavery. They renumbered them. 
that's just one example of the fraud that's been perpetrated on the American people. And it's so insidious and it goes everywhere. Um, I, uh, a, a dear friend of mine, a new friend that's become a dear friend of mine, has encouraged me to take this information and put it on a flashcard type thing to help people train themselves and educate themselves uh, and educate their children to be able to communicate effectively to others and share these ideas and facts with other people. That's great. The the more that we can get this out there and the easier we can make it for people. So you're going to continue now with some more complex concepts that you want to share. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting here um, cutting cards. Um, we were talking a little bit about lending practices with the banks. If you buy a car, you buy a mortgage. This might be right up your alley. The etymology behind what we today would consider ordinary banking practices called lending is known within virtually every holy text throughout the world, including the Bible, as usury. Usury, yeah. Usury is generally categorized as a predatory type act. In other words, it means preying on those who are most vulnerable. People within the banking and loan industry more commonly refer to the practice as writing a loan or mortgage. The word mortgage comes from the Latin conjunction morte gage, M-O-R-T-E dash G-A-G-E, which in English translates to death grip. They're trying to control us with debt. Lending is used today as a way to enslave the masses through fraud, and their fraudulent practices are going out to our bond account, grabbing that amount for whatever we um, uh, we signed up for, and then uh, sending us information about how we um, uh, should pay them on a monthly basis. That's fraud. So is compound interest for that matter. Simple interest is legal compound or uh, compound interest is considered usury. Simple interest is okay. Um, we talked about that. All right. Um, one of the things we haven't really talked about today is um, administrative courts. So all administrative courts have a DUNS number. A DUNS number is a number that is assigned to a corporation when the corporation is created. And it's actually administered by a company in New York called Dun & Bradstreet. That's where it got its name, a Dunn's number. The primary purpose of a corporation is to make money. Most city, state, county, townships, and administrative courts in the United States have a Dunn's number. The only exception is if you have a county that's unincorporated and there's not that many of them. I think there's actually maybe four in the state of Texas, one in Georgia that I'm aware of. No, I take that back. It's not the counties that are unincorporated. It's some of the little towns, the townships that are unincorporated. All the counties are incorporated, but there's one in Georgia. Lamar County in Georgia is not incorporated. The primary jurisdiction of these courts, with a few exceptions, is Admiralty Law because everybody that comes before them is being, is considered a, uh, incorporated, right? They're a citizen, they're a slave, they've been um, enfranchised uh, with their birth certificate. So they're all part of the Admiralty Law jurisdiction. 
Today, only Title III court is considered a common law court, and they are very scarce, and they're not present in all states. Divorce court, family law courts, traffic courts, criminal courts, and are all for-profit organizations and are not interested in justice or fairness, only profit. If you hire an attorney, the court assumes you are incompetent and cannot speak for yourself or argue properly. Therefore, the court has the right to have you arrested, detained, fined, or forced into psychiatric evaluation for anything. Once you walk into that courtroom, you are theirs. The trick is to never walk in. The court lists you as a resident and a ward of the local government area, which is a county, and therefore a pauper and a lunatic, and therefore must obey the rules of the, co of the court. You can disclaim your pauper status by presenting a gold sovereign or 20 Morgan silver dollars as long as they were mentioned before 1883. Most people don't realize that there is an out for that pauper status so that you can speak more for yourself. And that's by presenting the court. It's like bail, but it's a specific trick. 20 Morgan silver dollars or one gold sovereign. The court proceedings are considered a private business meeting and you are presumed guilty whether you plead guilty or not, unless you have previously prepared an affidavit of truth and motion to dismiss with extreme prejudice onto the public record or call a demurrer, D-E-M-U-R-R-E-R, -E -E which is a document that objects to the proceedings. So the best thing that you can do for any kind of court proceeding is to create a document prepare an affidavit of truth, this is why I'm not guilty of this, with statements from witnesses, yada, yada, and a motion to dismiss with extreme prejudice. And then you take it to the county clerk, the clerk of court, actually. The, the, um, each court has a, a clerk of court, and you take it to them before to appear, and you have them included in the record so that is there before the the uh, the proceedings. That way you won't get caught up in all this other crap that they like to do to try to entrap you and make a contract. Your best protection against these courts is to stay away from them. Okay. Okay, that is administrative courts. You know, I want to ask you, I don't know if you were planning on telling us or not, but what are the steps people can take if they want to check out becoming a national, an American national? That's a really good question. A year and a half ago or two years ago, I would have had a much different answer. Um, in my opinion, there are two things to do. One, go to uh, YouTube and look for James C. Lovett and get his um, description of how do you um, complete your passport as a national. You have to go to the state you were born in, um, an authenticated birth certificate. So I'll show you what one, well, I would show you what one looks like, but it's a, it's a yellow piece of paper that has um, the state registrar who attests that um, 
the state registrar that signed off on your original birth certificate was a real and, and live person. And they have a brat here that's very important. They, it's no longer legal if you pull this apart. Okay. Okay, and that is for your birth certificate? That's called an, an authenticated birth certificate? Right. Um, you have to go to the Department of State of your of your um the the state that you were born in tell them that you want your birth certificate authenticated and you have to bring them a um original like you have to go to the department of commerce to get an original or copy of the original of your birth certificate you can't just take them a photocopy it has to be an official document then you go to the Department of State for the state, and both of these are within the state you were born in, and ask them to, you need to authenticate it that you're traveling to a non-NATO state. There is an office usually in the capital of the state that you were born in. So I was born in Louisiana, so the capital is Baton Rouge. So there were two different buildings we went to visit. One was the Department of Commerce to get additional um birth certificates for me and the other one was the department of state but i know every state has a department of state in the capital so you go find the department of state you tell them that you're going to travel to a non-nato country that's a country that doesn't belong to nato and they require an authenticated birth certificate in order for you to go in those countries and you don't want to tell them I'm becoming a national. You don't want to tell them anything. You just go and look up on the internet. I'm, tra you know, non-NATO countries. Pick one, and that you tell them you're traveling there for business or whatever. And then they'll they'll give you uh, this that's attached to your birth certificate. And then there's there's another um, piece of paper, and it's missing here. Okay, so then your so this birth certificate does it not have your name in all capitals? Oh, it uh, it does, but the authenticated birth certificate the the assumption is that the um when I do an authenticated birth certificate, I am proving that I was alive birth, not died at birth. They assume that I died at birth, and they're going to capture my estate. And um, that's why they create all of those um, naming conventions in the strong. Okay. okay, so there's the birth certificate part. Then don't you do something with your passport too? Well, what you do is you have to have an authenticated birth certificate before you can apply for a passport the, uh, as a national. So um, once you get your authenticated birth certificate, then you go and you uh, watch the video from James C. Lovett, and he's going to explain how to complete, uh, I think it's a DS-11 uh, form. Um, once you get your authenticated birth certificate, watch James Lovett's uh, video, and you fill out the DS-11 form that you get um, off the internet, just say, you know, passport form. Um and James will tell you exactly how to fill it out. And you fill it out in such a way that's a little counterintuitive because you say, um, it asks you if you were, your parents are United States citizens and you say no. Um, 
Um, it used to ask you if you were a United States citizen, but they took that out. Um, but James will explain exactly why you fill the thing out the way you do. Your address, your mailing address is one thing, but your um, the address where you live is a rural route and you and you make sure I think the zip code has to go in brackets. Um, when you put it in brackets, it means that there's nothing here. So in order to become an American national, you can go onto YouTube and say, uh, or look for James C. Levitt. There is a, a, a recording to um, give you instruction on how to get an authentic authenticated birth certificate. You need that in order to get your passport. That passport notifies the government that you are a national, the way that the appropriate way that you fill it out. When you complete this affidavit and then you have it notarized and you record it in your local county, that's your way of notifying the principal and the agent that you are a national and you have that in the public record. After that, you just need to walk the walk. What is the walk of um, somebody on the land? That means that you, um, uh, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Uh, you're careful about everybody's um, uh, property and, and because you're under common law now, um, you can actually go on to nsea.us and look into their credentials. They have an ID card as well as a license plate. Well, I say that it's an auto plate. It's not really a license plate. A license is actually a, um, a contract, a legally binding contract uh, where this is just a plate to cover it up, uh, to, to put on your, your car. But it, it labels you as a um, UCC 9-109 diplomat. That particular UCC site says that a private uh, individual or private man or woman can travel the roads unimpeded um, without any kind of registration or license. Uh, and I would also say once you're, you're figuring out how to walk the walk, continue reading, continue learning about this, continuing, you know, um, join with other people uh, and finding the best way to do this. And I'm hoping at some point in time in the near future, there's a push in Texas to um, start repopulating unincorporated counties and putting together a de jure government instead of a de facto government, which is what we have today. So you do your, yes. you do your birth certificate, then you do your passport. And is that- And you do your passport. And then I would do something like this other document that um, I ran across the other day and I sent you a copy. It's basically an affidavit of reservation of rights, UCC 1-308. Let it be known that John Michael Doe explicitly reserves all of my rights, CUCC 1-308, which is formerly UCC 1-207. And it says that that particular site is performance or acceptance under reservation. 
a party that with explicit reservation of rights performs or promises performance or assents to performance in a manner demanded or offered by the other party does not thereby prejudice the rights reserved. Such words as without prejudice, under protest, or the like are sufficient. I retain all of my rights and liberties at all times and in all places um, from the time of my birth and furthermore, uh, forevermore. Further, I retain my right to be to not be compelled to perform any contract or commercial agreement that I did not enter knowingly, voluntarily, and intentionally. These are these contracts that have been put upon you without your knowledge. Like paying taxes, signing a W-4. Well, yeah, that's one of them, but there's others, and I, I can explain what that means. Um, and I am not subject to silent contracts and have never knowingly or willingly contracted away my sovereignty. <clears throat> uh, further, I'm not a United States citizen or a 14th Amendment citizen. I am a state citizen of the Republic and reject any attempted expatriation. See United States Statute at Large, July 27th, 1868, also known as the Expatriation Statute. Violation fee of my liberty is $250,000 per incident or 15 minutes of or any part thereof. Wherefore, all have undeniable knowledge. So we're going to get this notarized. And the affidavit says, Swigeris, a natural born citizen of name your state, in its deserved capacity as a republic and as one of the several states of the union created by the Constitution of the United States of America, 1777 slash 1789, because there's three different ones. This incidentally makes me an American national and a common man of the sovereign people does swear and affirm that affidavit has scribed and read the foregoing facts and in accordance with the best of the um, affiance, firsthand knowledge and conviction, such are true and correct and complete and not misleading the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So you get this document notarized. I plan on um, having it, uh, you call it stuff, laminated and putting it in my car. If anybody stops me and they want to pull me into their jurisdiction, I can give them this. Okay. So the reason you'd want to do this is because what you explain, why, why do you want to be a national? Because I'm outside of the um, corporate jurisdiction where they can trap me into contracting with them to pay taxes, to pay registration fees, to go to jail because they think I should. And there's all kinds of reasons. Yeah. To me, there's a sacred reason just to be sovereign, to be mm -hmm. the, the living child of God on this planet that I am, that there mm -hmm. is no authority above me except for the divine. That's it. Right. That's what, that's why I want to do it. Um, yeah. So then, you know, I know I, I have a couple of questions here. Uh, I, I'm in a group where I, I was throwing out some of this information because there's a couple of good books on Amazon people can get. And I've I've recommended them before. One's called Meet Your Straw Man. Do you know these books? Mm -hmm. and, and one, um, I think I have them. 
right here. Hold on. <clears throat> and then there's another one called the common law handbook by the same, by this same guy, meet your straw man and whatever. Oh, you... I have that. I yeah, have okay. that. And then, and then this one, the UCC connection, how to. Yes, I have that too. Legally. Okay. Right. So yeah. I recommended these books on this little uh, telegram channel that I'm on and a lady who is kind of scared of this process because she knows that there's people who are called domiciles and there's people who are called sovereign citizens. And I know you explained when I met you that that's an oxymoron that citizen in Black's Law Dictionary, which I need to look up and make sure is right. Um, somebody do it. I, I mean, I've got to get a copy of Black's Law Dictionary and preferably a first edition. But my uh, the my guest that I just had before you, he showed his uh, Black's Law Dictionary first edition. So I'm going to oh, get wow. him to look it up. Um, Sovereignist so stands for king. And citizen is slave or, em, or employee. You can't be both. Right. That's why so it's an oxymoron. Is an oxymoron. Right. So, but so there's different, there's people who've gone about doing this different ways. And she feels like it can be dangerous. Um, well, the, the other thing that you need to do once you have your document notarized is, is you take it down to the county and make it a public record. Okay. And it's, and so um, then they'll make a copy of it and they'll give you a, you know, they'll charge you 20 bucks or whatever it is. And they'll give you a, rec a public recording number. So this is another way for you to prove, um, especially since whenever you notice um, part of this document says notice to agents is notice to principals, notice to principals is notice to agents, uh, which means that once you tell one person that's representing their government or their corporation, then that's enough to acknowledge all of them have been uh, so notified. So if I notify the county clerk um, and if I'm ever drawn into court, I can reference that document to say I'm not part of your jurisdiction. Okay. Why does this girl think that... Um... It's dangerous if you do this wrong. Um, I have never come across a danger associated if you do this wrong. Um, okay. The only one that I can think of off the top of my head is if you didn't do it in such a way correctly, I should say, like your affidavit was, was missing information and they could use it as a loophole against you to drag you into their jurisdiction. Which we're already in anyway. If Right, but the point of the affidavit is to get outside their jurisdiction and prove it, right? So I notified the agent or the principal, the agent and the principal by um, uh, recording this document stating uh, by your own laws 15 united states statute at large that i'm expatriating there is precedence for this okay so there's really nothing to be afraid of there's no danger involved the only thing that i could think of is if you're very public about it and you use it to rub the noses of the powers that be in it they may come after you 
Okay. And and who would do that? I mean, you know, do you do you sashay in front of the sheriff and say, nah, 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 you can't touch me. I'm outside your jurisdiction. Who does that? I mean, uh, it's just foolish. But like I said, if, if you try to rub their noses in it and, and um, that's when they may just get a, a belly full of it and come after you. Okay. Um, so two more questions. There, there's a, um, and you can go on as long as you want. We, um, but so she knows of a guy and I'm not going to use his name on here, but I know of him too. He's, um, he's a guy who helps people in the court system to deal with court, the court system. And he yeah. knows he's, he's really knows his way around it. And he's really helpful. Uh, he'll, he'll help you pro bono, just what do I do? You know? And so she reached out to him personally and asked him about these books that I was recommending. These, this, the, you know, these two books, I've only started the straw man book. I haven't even read the UCC connection, how to free yourself from legal tyranny yet. And he responded with this. The UCC has nothing whatsoever to do with you. That code is strictly for one legal business entity to deal with another legal business entity. You are not a legal business entity and cannot use the UCC code. And UCC code has no applicability to you. He said, the guy that writes those books doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. He spelled hole wrong. Um, and he so he's the one that has limited experience because we are considered at uh, once our birth certificates are um, uh, created uh, that we are all incorporated entities. What is the use? What is that? Um, you're not uniform commercial code because we're part of the commercial um, uh, incorporated uh process yeah no and now i i heard you mention ucc earlier today there's an incredible um lecture that was given in uh england by a law professor to a law well i don't even know if he's a law professor but he sure knows his business and he mentioned ucc as well so i need to when he said he said he sells that crap to ignorant and gullible people that book is worthless but that book has come rec highly recommended to me by people that I really trust and find to be highly intelligent people. So if attorney didn't want you to know what their secrets were, what would they say about any documentation that um, you had? Well, they would say it was crap. Okay. So that guy might not to be trusted, I suppose. Then my, you know, my other question is kind of similar. I noticed that you mentioned some of your information comes from Anna von Wrights. And now I've only heard of her. Like I am a baby at all this. So this is great for my, uh, my audience because 99.99% of us are babies at this. So um, I have heard throughout the years of Anna von Wrights and I've heard good things and I've heard bad things. And so if you're, if some of your information is coming from a source that how can we um, find out where she found out her information? Um, you can go search through the information that she has in her, on her website. Okay. Her, and it, and um, find out her, what she's citing. That's what I need to do. Okay. Most of the information, especially in her earlier writings, talk about history. 
and talk about the Catholic Church and talk about how the Catholic Church, the Vatican, you know, came to be and, and how it did this, that, and the other thing. And, um, you know, she talks about, there are writings that she does and she talks about the birth certificate and thievery and usury and all kinds of stuff. And she has some good information, but she never really talks about where she got her information. Um, See, and that, that is, bothers me. Like if she's the one who first figured out the, um, the yellow fringe around the flag means maritime law. I mean, I don't know. She is not, she is not. She just uses that information that she's discovered somewhere else. In fact, she used to be part of, um, I want to, I want to say the Republic, uh, there was a movement several years ago to create a Republic for each state. And she was part of that group to, um, bring back the Republic of Alaska. And then she got sideways with that group. And I'm not saying this right. And this is rumor. I, you know, somebody else told me this and started her own deal. So that's what became of AnnaVonWrites.com. Um, and I'm sure that there is information on that website that's correct and accurate. But I honestly can't tell you which is and which, which is and which isn't. It's going to be up to each individual to use our own discernment to figure it out or look for corroborating evidence published somewhere else. Okay. There you go. Yeah. I kind of, as soon as I started asking the question, I realized that uh, I just need to do the research. Um, okay. Is, is there anything else you want to throw out while we're still recording? I think we got through the material that, that you wanted to cover. Now, if, um, if you want to do a follow-up with some more additional topics, we can do that. I hope you um, got what you wanted to get out of this conversation. And I hope your audience um, does too. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. And, um, you know, I, I fell in love with your, you know, when I got the, it, it was an honor and a privilege, but it was, I, it was, uh, luck that well, I was lucky to get to come and be there that night where you were standing in for another speaker and I got to hear you and uh I I fell in love with your passion for all of this and so I'm really grateful that you're willing to share this information with people and now with you who even knows this will get passed around and um so Freedom Junkies, we're no. calling it. We're, we're calling it. And uh, Leanne, thank you so much for coming on. If people have questions and and uh, we want to do a follow-up, I will get you on. And if there's if you ever want to come back on, you just let me know. And uh, we'll just call it there. If you made it this far, you are a rock star. And... Uh, Thank you for, for being a part of this journey with me. Okay. If, if, um, if James is allowed to have his YouTube channel up, what should, I should be able to post this on YouTube. Sure. All they sure. can do is, is take it down. They, they censored my very first interview, took it down and gave me a strike. How rude. Yep.
I was telling the talking, talking about things that are now ostensibly true, but at the time we were talking about masks and vaccines back at the beginning of the ah. Thank you again, Leanne, for coming on the show. And uh I will be in touch. Okay. Thank you for your your time and you guys have a great afternoon. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. I live better than a king ever did. I live better than a king.